there's no secret sauce. There's no one size fits all for everybody. You got to try, try, try. And just, I mean, the- welcome to season two of the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with artists and industry leaders from around the world. Our goal is to share knowledge, connect our community and elevate the artistry of our craft. Hi, I'm Jesse Chu. Hello, I am Quinn Wynn, and we are the founders of the Paper Florist Collective. Welcome back, you guys. I am so excited. I hope you listened to the episode that we just had last week about branding. If you don't know what branding is, listen to this particular podcast. We'll put it in the link for you guys to listen to. I want you just to listen to that one first before you listen to this one, because I think it'll tie in to some of the strategies that we're going to talk about today. So welcome back, Alyssa and Missy. We're so excited to talk about, about branding and especially particularly about marketing. So just a kind of a recap, can you just do a quick summary between branding and marketing for us? Thanks for having us back and we're excited to be here. So brand is really about what your company is and who you are. It humanizes your company to your audience. And marketing is really the strategy and tactics that you use to take that story to the market or to the public. And you've, you guys have said that it goes hand in hand. I mean, we've tried to kind of (laughs) say what's branding, what's marketing, but you're telling us, no, they, you know, they go hand in hand. Can you tell us a little bit about why you be, well, why they go hand in hand? I was just going to kind of say it. Like I look at branding as kind of like this party you're throwing And if you don't send an invite out and let people know about who you are and what you are, no one's going to show up, right? So that's why to me, they always go hand in hand. You have, you have to give your brand a voice or they don't know, or people don't know what to do. People, people look for action words to take, you know, to take. So that's why, especially on social media or on websites, we say book now, buy now. I mean, clearly we know what the product is. So you need to be able to tell somebody what to, because people like consumers do like what to do. That is so and true. To show up, right? Am I invited? <laughs> yeah. And I like to think of, we like to think of the whole sales funnel as in pyramid and your brand is really the, the bottom layer, the widest layer of your, your pyramid. So you build a strong foundation. Then you put your marketing strategy, your plan, how you're going to go to market as the next layer. And then you put your marketing tactic and the actual actions that you're going to take, whether that's you know using social media or doing paid advertising or what your customer experience is. Those are all tactics. Um, and so it builds from a very strong base layer to, to the more minute details. That's a great way of putting it. I mean, I can visualize it in my head. Yes. Both examples, actually. And you guys had actually, um, before we recorded this podcast, we were talking about some examples of examples of brands that have a really strong identity, how it kind of naturally can pivot really easily when change is required. For example, during this COVID, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I know I'll let Kalisa go in about one of her favorite examples, which is about Nordstrom, but I just saw another one. So as a parent of a toddler, we have entered into this whole phase and we all, we all already know that Disney, especially like their theme parks are the happiest place on earth, right? Like we already can feel their brand. Everybody knows that there's a certain level of expectation with Disney. So during this whole pandemic where all of the theme parks had to shut down, everybody was waiting to see like what level of service and magic. So we all relate magic with Disney, right? What type of magic is Disney going to deliver? And one of the things that they did, which which held their brand strong, was they set up a free hotline for families to call. And you could actually, you know, choose by number which character 
your child or or maybe you as an adult even because everybody you know wanted to talk to you at night and hear you know a good night message from that Disney character to maybe help replace the fact that your family couldn't go on their Disney vacation. So they were really still giving that high level of magic and experience that we've all come accustomed to. I know my toddler, I mean, I bring this example up because my toddler went crazy for it. <laughs> I love that. Every single character, <laughs> you know, so, so that was one level of experience. I know Kalisa has a really great one too with Nordstrom. Yeah. I mean, I think that Missy's example, you know, Disney's brand is about magic and making magic happen. So it wasn't that difficult for them to create an extension of the regular experience in the you know new times where social distancing is happening and their parks were shut down because they had a really strong understanding of what they were trying to achieve. Another brand that we all know of is Nordstrom. Nordstrom is known for white glove service. When their stores were shut down, they went to a curbside, no contact delivery model. But the way they were able to pivot and do that in a way that still felt white glove was, you know, First of all, not that difficult because they understood who they were and what they were trying to achieve. And so they're able to pivot very quickly and say, how do we replicate this white glove experience that we're known for, that our brand is our you know, brand identity and extend that in a no contact model. And so what they did was they had more concierge service in the stores that were able to pick items and get them ready for you quickly so that you could pick them up curbside. They had a a no touch delivery method where they would actually put things in and you could pick them up without having a contact with their workers. They did a lot of messaging about what their what they were trying to achieve with that new model. And it wasn't that hard, but that would have been very, very difficult if they did not have a brand identity that was centered around white glove service. If they were still trying to figure out what they stood for, it's really hard to pivot and change in a way that makes sense to your audience. We have another client that they own a, a gym and fitness studio and they, a couple of sub brands, one is women's fitness. So they have a women's boot camp. They have a, an elite athlete training where they take young athletes from the elementary school to college and they provide elite training in a number of sports for them. All of a sudden, their gyms were shut down. And we had a call with them and said, you know, the first thing that you need to protect is the revenue of the customers who have already signed up for that monthly gym membership or training. So how do we think about not deprecating their experience, but expanding it and and rewarding them for their loyalty of continuing to pay that membership, even though they they don't have the experience of the gym. For the women's bootcamp, they started Zoom calls and they started adding on some value-add programs like the ability to consult with a nutritionist and meal planning and some other things that could really just keep people on their fitness journey while they were at home. For their elite training, they decided to expand to a new platform and they started on TikTok and they started creating videos that were very short, but were very targeted towards football athletes who other, other sports as well, but primarily football because they would have been in spring training. And they were also coming up against not knowing what next year would bring. Would they, if they were headed to college, would they go to college? Would there be fall football? 
They don't know. So really providing value in terms of coaching, they went from zero to over 40,000 followers in less than 60 days. And that was because they really knew who they were. They are elite athletic coaches and they know their stuff and they were able to pivot. And now that gyms are open, they can still only have five athletes in the studio at any one time, but they're actually doing, they're broadcasting those workouts. So other athletes can work with them. So I think that those are two examples of when you know who you are, it makes it very easy to adapt to whatever change gets thrown your way. Yeah, Yeah. those are all That's amazing. I love how, yeah, I love how the examples go back to having a strong brand identity, knowing what you're about. So you're obviously the gym was the elite athletes that they were targeting. And then you've got Nordstrom white glove service. And then you've got Disney magic. Like they're summarized really in like a sentence in a couple of words, what their true core values are. And that's so interesting because like you said, with the pivoting, It's kind of like you have all these ideas, but because you know what the brand is, you know which one naturally fall into place that don't seem suddenly coming out of, you know, nowhere. Why are you offering the service? It's, you know, so another question, actually, I mean, thinking about this, let's say you don't have a very strong brand identity or you're just trying to develop it. Can you, I mean, would you say it's possible actually during, let's say, a change like this, where there is a lockdown, there's social distancing, where there's a significant change in the way that everyone's business is running or your specific business. Is this also an opportunity to define your business? I think that disruption, um, it can put a business dead in the water or it can spur a lot of creating creative thinking and change. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes down to branding and marketing, first of all, we always tell people, like, I think that all of us are kind of used to looking at change kind of like on the horizon. Like, you know, it's a ways off. And I think what 2020 has told us is that, no, all of a sudden it's that big wave that's swirling around your feet and is going to sweep you off your feet, right? Change can come super fast. And this year Mm -hmm. we've experienced it more than anything. So brands need to be prepared for disruption and change period mm-hmm. you can no longer yeah. plan down the road. Also kind of have a negative you feeling, need right? to be able to work quickly yeah. and efficiently one of the things that we've worked with a lot of our clients on is if just from a tactical perspective is if you pre-schedule your digital content or campaigns you need to have your finger on that that pause button so that you don't come to the the market with something that's toned up we saw a couple of examples yes of this. so many um, yes so many, so many right? I know, so many. And on like like experts too. Experts yeah, no. And so too. if you are going to pre-schedule, you need to be able to pause. Um, and even if you don't pre-schedule, if you just have marketing efforts that you're doing manually, you need to be able to put the pause. It's always better to pause and restart than it is to put something in the market that doesn't, doesn't resonate with your brand or your customer. So definitely have a pause button. You need to be able to stop and listen and think, clearly about what you want to say and if you're adding any value to the conversation. But the the other thing is, is I think that brands, while they're paused, whether it's from a COVID shutdown of your store or whether it, you know, the broader cultural conversations that are occurring right now and that you don't want to appear, you, know, you don't have anything valuable to say in the market right now. And you certainly don't want to be running ads that are tone deaf, um, you can use this time to really think about what your brand story is and how it connects with your audience. So 
even in these quiet times where we've all been very worried about the financial impact of this to our businesses and what the new normal will look like. I also think that it's given us a little space to say, how can I get real and share my story with my customers in, in a way that, that feels maybe more authentic than I have been or is more memorable than I, I have been and really double down on that brand effort during this you know time when things have been just frankly way different than what we're oh, yeah. used to. Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. what you're saying, Jesse, too, about change and how it could be a good thing. When it comes to marketing, I think that every person or brand or business who isn't super familiar with marketing, they assume because we, we've seen this being advertised to us that there's a secret sauce <laughs> to marketing. If, you know, <laughs> I've seen other influencers who, who become marketing experts now because, and they try to sell their formula of exactly what worked for them to somebody else. And marketing isn't a one size fits all. And most of marketing is a, you know, it's like the old term, like, what do you throw the spaghetti noodle against the wall and see what sticks. I think a time like this where Kalisa gets excited because of change, it's like, yeah, let's, all those things, those ideas that we listed out, or maybe you didn't even list out. It, it gives you that time to list it out, try it. And it, it kind of takes that pressure off of you as well to say, we'll f- out on to the next, right? Because I think a lot of people um, get so stuck, things are going well, that it's hard for us mm-hmm. to want to try to change things to make it better. And because we don't want to, we don't want to yeah. disrupt our, our business that is doing well. So yeah. I, I see that as that. Just like Instagram, the algorithm always, is always <laughs> um, there's, there's no secret yeah. sauce. There's no one size fits all yeah, for everybody. You got to try, try, try. And just, I mean, the, the truth is, is like, yeah. just when you nail things changed. Yeah. Uh, social media platforms change, features change, right? Always change. So, so you've yeah, got so to, like this disruption. So like, oh, it shouldn't be any surprise to anybody because, I mean, yes, it's more impactful than Instagram adding a new feature. But you know, we are con- we are living in a world of constant change every three to six months, especially in social media. <laughs> Can I ask you, I'm going back to some marketing branding, like generally, how often do you, how often do you see people rebrand or change their marketing strategy? Do people tend to change their marketing strategy when something doesn't work or do they go back to, oh wait, maybe I have to rebrand? Yes. I think, I think it's both. I think that when you see something not work and you want to try things out for a little bit, you know, if it doesn't work in 24 hours, don't be so hard on yourself. I think from a corporate standpoint in my background, we always gave ourselves anywhere between 20, 21 to the full 30 days, a full month to test something out and then go back and what we call the postmortem, like really reflect on what worked. You know, you need, you need a certain amount of time to reach significance. But I also think that every brand, uh, and I know this is going to sound maybe overwhelming, should, should really look at their branding year to year. And you should probably, if you're the type of brand whose fiscal year starts on January and ends in December, then probably by the third quarter, you should really be thinking about what does your brand look like for the following year? Because even as people, we are not the same person we were last year. I was the mother of a one and a half year old. This year, I'm the mother of a two and a half year old who throws all the time. So now I mother differently than I did last year, right? So the same thing with your business, what, whatever brand, you know, services or, or even in your industry, whatever trends, right? You know, is it big bold color flowers? Or are we going back to like blush pinks or, or whatnot, you know? 
that's going to change. So even from a visual standpoint and how your brand looks is going to change. Yeah, I mean, when when you think of brand as being the humanization personification of your business, as Missy said, just like people, we evolve, right? And so looking at at branding as a a fairly regular examination of does your brand speak to your audience or your your ideal audience? And is that ideal audience responding in the way that you want it to? That's kind of a constant measure. And I think that people think of rebranding as I'm going to get new logo, I'm going to get new signage, I'm going to get new business cards. And it doesn't really have to be that. A true rebranding effort starts again with who are you and who do you serve? And if that's correct, then you can make tweaks based on what you've learned over the, the past year. Hey, my, you know what? I know that my Instagram posts that have you know, these colors or these types of captions or this type of content have performed better. That's a marketing tack. That's not a brand decision. That, that the brand is, is, is still the brand. How you reflect that brand in the market may be different, but it's not, hey, we're going to go and spend another $10,000 on our, our creative and website design. That's very rarely what's needed. Where we see that needed is where brands have neglected to evolve their brand on a more incremental basis. And that's when you'll see big brand changes, even in like big corporate space, where you see a complete rebrand. That's because they haven't done that incremental work or their audience and market has shifted significantly and they need to rebrand to reach that new lot. Does that make sense? It does. That was really, really good. I, I want to go back to Missy, what she said. It's like, do a postmortem. I, when you do a strategy or you are testing something out, I really think highly that you need to go back and look at it. Why did you start it in the first place? Did it accomplish the goal that you set out for? What was the result of it? Um, money-wise, people-wise, what was the feeling that you got out of it? Put surveys out. That's the best thing you can do is ask your consumer, how do they feel about this particular marketing strategy? You can either one, see how much sales you made, two, ask them directly, like, give me a review. That's a really great way to finger if that marketing strategy worked or not. And then use that and do another jumping point on doing the next marketing strategy. Pivot and change and add or take away or try something new. I think that's really important to go back and look even from the very first one because you came up with an idea, something that really triggered and made you want to do it. Look at it and see how you can make it even better. Yeah. And in corporate marketing, we call those KPIs for key performance indicators. So it, especially when you're creating a marketing tactic, you want to identify what that is. And it could be as simple as, Hey, I just want to post every day on social media and see if my follower, my following increase increases, or it could be, I have a revenue goal and did I attain that? So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think having, yeah, always know what your KPI is. Goals are so important to have in everything. (laughs) Mini goals, large goals, weekly goals, daily goals. Absolutely. And I think that people think of marketing as a creative endeavor. You know, it's it's how we show up in the market. So it feels kind of creative. And I know that's what initially drew me to marketing. But as as I got more experience 
in it, what I came to realize was it's really more of a scientific endeavor. So you're always measuring how did what I try, whether it's a marketing, a particular tactic, whether it's a new CTA on my website or a new lead gen program or, you know, a new look and feel in the creative that I post on my social. Did that pay off against these KPIs that, that I've established, these things, these goals that I've wanted to achieve? And think of yourself not as a, think of marketing not as either a win or a loss. It either did or it didn't. It's a learning. So every time you put something in market, from whether it's an Instagram post or a new website or a paid campaign, you're learning more about your audience than than you knew before. So I tell people to think of themselves as testers. Marketing's a really it's really about testing. So you put out, you might, maybe you'll put out an email campaign and try two different subject lines and see which one gets a better open rate. You've learned something there that you can then use to improve your next campaign. Every time you should be testing something so that you can validate your hypothesis and get better and more targeted and achieve more with the marketing that you're putting, putting out. So your marketing tactics become more aligned and defined over time. Really great advice. I love that. Right now, I actually have a notebook I set aside just for my marketing tactics. What I do on Instagram, what I do on Facebook, what I do on my blog site, what I'm releasing in the Posy box. It's really interesting to see like, here are the emails that I sent out. Here's the results. And I love, I'm using Kajabi right now and they're really fantastic about analytics. How many clicks did I get? Did people open the email? I think that is itself is a marketing strategy, how you formulate your emails and how you can target certain people. And I love that Kajabi can actually screen people out and say, if I already sent them this email, don't send it again. But if they didn't click on it and open it, yes, definitely send it to them. So I think it's a really interesting way to understand what you're doing. Analytics and insights are so important because it helps point you towards that. What you're talking about is next best action. Mm -hmm. So if you think about your customer being in a, in a funnel from, I don't know who you are to, I'm aware of who you are to, I'm interested in what you have to sell to, I want what you sell to, I like what you sell. I got it. And I'd like to refer you to somebody else. That's kind of the marketing, the, the customer journey, right? Yes. And so if if you have a platform like Kajabi, and I know there's other emailers that provide similar analytics, but if you have a platform that you can use to get those insights, then don't be afraid to look at those insights. I think a lot of people look at the, the analytics and and go, I don't know what to do with that information. Um, think of it as I want to move this customer to the next stage. If they got the email and they didn't click on it, can I send it with a different subject line? Can I say, hey, I think you missed this. Is there something else I can do to direct them to something that, that, that might get them to the point where they actually visit my website or give me their, you know, download a, a, a lead gen uh, offer or, you know, sign up for a webinar or, you know, whatever your next step is or, or, you know, order a trial, whatever that next step is. If you always think about it as I'm trying to move the customer along the funnel to do the next thing that I want them to do and look at your analytics as a way to, you know, as you said, figure out where the customer is and what you need to do next with them. Yeah. And you know what Kalisa just described too is formula in the marketing world. I know I kind of said there's no secret sauce out there, but we do kind of believe in this formula in marketing called no plus like equals trust. People to first know who you are, then that gets them to like 
who or what you have, right? And once they like you, they start to build this trust. What a simple formula. Um, is spelt with the S in there is spelt with a dollar sign. That, like, that's when they're ready to convert, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's when they're ready to convert and buy from you because they trust. If you are interested in talking to these two amazing ladies some more, head to their website, sign up, ask to do a 30 minute free consultation with them. They, they're a knowledge gold mine here. I feel like we could continue talking on and on. And thank you so much for all these wonderful information. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you guys are located in Seattle, but I assume you take on clients from all over the world now that we're all digital. <laughs> we do. Yep. Um, we, we work internationally and sometimes we have 3 a.m. phone calls because our clients are in interesting places like Dubai and Singapore. <laughs> even if you're not local don't be afraid to hit us up we always love talking to small business owners and i'm excited to hear about what they're doing it's what what gets us jazzed yeah small business owners that is our why but i mean we we like to take our big corporate knowledge and we want to help funnel it down to the small business owners i think are the backbone of our country america at least and canada Mm -hmm. too jesse yes Yeah, you know, or wherever you're at. And, you know, we want, we want to make you successful because that's how we are too. We're a small business and we all be as successful as possible. So if you guys haven't downloaded their brand audit worksheet that they offered last week and that our previous podcast, they're now coming back with another amazing PDF for you guys. Calissa, can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, this is a really speaking to how brands and organizations can deal with change. So we've created a, a brand resilience checklist and basically, Basically, we'll give you some information uh, about what to be thinking and doing as to make your company adaptable and agile as all this change is coming at us so quickly in 2020. We think that brands should always have a plan B, C, D, and E. And this this is like a five-point checklist that will help, help you decide where you're at and what you need to work on. That is so important. I feel like the past 15 weeks life has turned upside down and it's been really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's really tough businesses to see if they are able to stand up and weather the storm that we're dealing with and who knows how long this is going to take. Yeah, hopefully this can give give, um, brands some guidance and give them some food for thought and they can measure and evaluate um, just by going through the questions where they're at and where they need to perhaps make some improvements to just be ready for whatever life throws at us next. Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. These are amazing Thank you so much for... (laughs) Yeah, these tools and for being on a podcast and giving us such valuable information. Um, You guys are really experts in your fields. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're not short talkers. You don't have to draw us out with any any, any questions. We'll just talk over you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for um, having us here today. We we get jazzed to talk about this type of stuff and could talk about it all day, clearly. (laughs) 